welcome to Transforming Minds, Transforming Lives, a podcast series of RCCG Living Spring Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for our senior pastor, Boyga Esson. Today, by the grace of God, we are going to be finishing on our sermon topic, the Daniel Generation. Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel and understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Ananiah, Michel, Azariah, before they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Well, just a little recap, Daniel was brought from Jerusalem, from Judah, as one of the captives to Babylon. And we said the modus operandi of Nebuchadnezzar those days was to go into a place, get the brightest of the place, take them as captives, bring them to Babylon, and train them in the way of the Babylonians. It was a total overhaul that he was always doing. But the Bible says that Daniel didn't forget where he was coming from. When they presented before him food that had been presented to idols, he didn't take it. Even though he was a totally brand new person in Babylon, he was alone, yet he refused even to compromise his faith because he knew where he was coming from. And we said Daniel is a model of Christians these days because Daniel in the marketplace, he demonstrated the power of God. He was able to make Nebuchadnezzar to bow before the God of heaven. He was also able to serve about four kings. He outlived four kings. He got into Babylon as a young adult, and he was there as a public servant for 70 years. He kept on being promoted because he was too valuable. As a matter of fact, he also has visions. He had visions and dreams. Whatever the problem was, he was able to tackle the problem, even for the government of the day. And of course, alongside his three friends, they didn't compromise. We said God's mind for the Christian today is to be a Daniel in the marketplace. It is through the church that God will demonstrate his wisdom to the world out there. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 said God will demonstrate through the church his multifaceted wisdom, even to the rulers and to the kings. And that was what we saw in Daniel, even when Nebuchadnezzar got so drunk with power and he made himself a statue and he commanded all the public servants to bow before the statue. Only three boys refused to bow and he was so mad at them, they were thrown into the fire. But somehow, surprisingly, these guys were spared. They demonstrated the wisdom of God. The same thing happened when they ganged up against Daniel. They threw him into the lion's den. He came out unharmed because the God we serve is a powerful God. And God is looking for witnesses. He's looking for people that will know him and will carry him to the marketplace. God needs many more Daniels in these end times. He needs many more people that will show forth his glory, show forth his power, show forth his wisdom. He needs many more people that he can walk through and he can walk with to demonstrate his power. And that's who you are. That is you. God is counting on you. He wants you to be a part of his program in this end time. He needs you to say yes to him. He needs you to know how to work with him and to demonstrate his wisdom and his power out there in the world. Is my prayer God will help us in Jesus' mighty name. 
The Bible says God gave these four men knowledge. He gave them knowledge and skill in literature and wisdom and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. The name Daniel in Hebrew language simply means God is my judge. And you see, you have to know God to be your judge because that will help you to live the Christian life. Ultimately, the person that we shall all report to is God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, that all of us, we all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what we've done in the body, whether good or bad. Yes, as a Christian, you will not stand before the great white throne judgment. There are two judgments after we leave this realm. The unbelievers who refuse to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, who are not born again, they will come before the great white throne judgment. In other words, they will be judged differently. And of course, they are going straight to hell. But we that are Christians, are believers, who have accepted Jesus Christ, who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, we are going to also stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 10. And we are going to receive from the Lord whatever thing we've done in the body, whether good or bad. So your good works, your evangelism, your prayer, your intercession, your giving to God's work, your expanding his work, shall be rewarded. And your bad works to what you've done in secret that you thought nobody knew shall be made open to all. And somehow you shall also be penalized for that. But the good thing is that we are all going to make it to heaven. Once you face the judgment seat of Christ, you are no more facing the great white judgment and then you are good to go. But you see, even in this realm, God is our judge. You have to realize that. Because God justifies the ungodly. He's a just God. Everything he does is just. And he justifies the ungodly. He qualifies those who are not qualified. So if God is my judge, I know God is my judge, and I take my case to him regularly. Because it's not impossible at some point in time in life that you have somebody accuse you wrongly or false accusation. I've seen it happen a few times. But there's a greater judge. There's a greater arbiter. There's a God that judges fairly. Oftentimes, the legal systems in the world may not be fair. When you have a good lawyer, you can get away with a few things. But there's a final judge. There's a great judge. So ultimately, the person to be afraid of is actually God. And you know, when you come before a judge, everybody is pleading their case. You have the prosecuting attorney. You have the defense attorney. You have the judge who decides the case. But you see, in our case, Jesus is our defense attorney. There's an accuser of the brethren. There's an enemy who accuses you. Every slip, every foible, every misstep of yours, he points it out. He tells you, he goes out there, he accuses you. He brings you before God from time to time. But the beautiful thing is that there's a defense Antony. And also the ultimate judge. So Jesus is your defense Antony. Amen. And God the Father is our judge. In other words, you have your big brother as your defense Antony. You have your father who loves you unconditionally as your judge. So there is no case you bring before the court of heaven that you will not win if you now to plead your cause. Everybody goes before a judge, every lawyer, everybody, even the accused, has to present something. If you now to plead your cause, the Bible says in Isaiah 41, 21, it says, let us reason together that you may be acquitted. He said, put me in remembrance. Let us contend together, state your case that you may be acquitted. Every time you go to God in prayers, you have to present your case. And if you know to present your case well, intelligently enough, you will obtain promises. In other words, God cannot turn you down if you know how to present your case properly. 
So it doesn't matter what the acquisition of the enemy is. We have a God who is our defender. We have a big brother who is there to defend us. We have a God who always rules in our favor. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, so what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Brethren, you have to know if you are born again that God is for you. You have to know it without any doubt that God is for you. And truly is for you. He who did not spare his own soul, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God gave the ultimate in Jesus. So if God gave Jesus, he will give you anything. And he actually gave us Jesus. He now went on to say, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? He said, it is God that justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is also Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So think about it. God justifies us. He's the justifier of the ungodly. He's also the one who condemns. He's also the one who can condemn to hell. But the Bible says, this one, this man who is condemning, once you are born again, is also the one praying for you. So it's not possible for somebody to be, on one hand, be condemning you, on the other hand, be interceding for you. So it's only those who refuse to give Jesus chance in their life that is condemned. The Bible says God sent his son to this world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John chapter 3 verse 18. Said those who believe not are condemned already. Said, but those of us who believe, yes, God is for you. In other words, those of us who believe is our intercessor, is our advocate, is our justifier. So anytime you have a voice of condemnation and you feel you are damned, that's not God. Satan is accusing you because Jesus now is seated at the right hand of God Almighty praying for you that you will make it. Under this dispensation, we have two intercessors. We have one living in us who prays through us, the Holy Spirit. We also have one at the right hand of God Almighty who is interceding that that promise of God over your life will come to pass. He's praying that you obtain promises. He's praying that you will make it. So Jesus is there busy praying for you. And this is a big consolation if you believe it. So he's our judge. Even when we misbehave, it doesn't take us to the court of public opinion. It doesn't allow the enemy to have his way. He will treat it privately. You see, when my children misbehave, I'm sure you also have children, those of us who are parents, you don't take them to court. Say, oh, my son just stole my money, and you want to sue him to court. You deal with it privately. It's a family matter. Some matters are family matters. You spank him, you deal with him, family matters. So God also does family matters. So even when you have misstepped, when you have misbehaved, he still loves you. And of course, he will deal with you according to the family rules. He told David, he said, look, your son, I will not take my mercy from him. So even when they misbehave, I will spank them with the rod. Psalm 89 is there from verse 24 downward. So I will spank them, but I will never take my mercy from them like I took it from your predecessor. God's mercy endures. If you are truly born again, his mercy remains. If you misbehave, he will spank you. And believe me, at times, God's spanking can be real serious. So don't go all out saying, no, you cannot misbehave. No, he can pull your hair. And when he pulls your hair, he will pain you. It's okay for God to pull our hair because we know he's our judge. He's always there for us. So the Daniels know. That name Daniel means God is my judge. So those of us who are the Daniel generation, we can make things happen because we know the ultimate judge is for us. If God is for you, who can be against you? Who can bring anything against the elect of God? 
It is God that justifies. Who, who can condemn you when God doesn't condemn you? Nobody. Even if the laws of the land condemns you, if God doesn't condemn you, you are good to go. Even if you end up in jail, as long as God is on your side, you are good to go. And it's my prayer, God will forever be on your side in the mighty name of Jesus. You have the faith to believe that truly is the ultimate authority, is also your judge. The Daniels, they also know they are God. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32b, the second part, Daniel 11, 32 says, those that know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. And somebody said, those that do not know their God shall be weak and they shall be exploited. That would not be you in Jesus' mighty name. You see, it's wonderful because God has his ways. And everything we do in Christianity, after giving our right to Christ, is to learn the ways of God. God has his modus operandi. God has his patterns. He has his ways. And many times his ways are not your ways. He said, as far as the heaven is from the earth, so also are my ways far above your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. And the reason for the Bible is to bridge that gap. In other words, the Bible is meant to make you think the way God thinks. And if you begin to think the way God thinks and you believe it truly, you begin to see divine results. You begin to see God-ordained results. So the Daniels of this generation, they know their God because they are the ones who display the wisdom of God to the world around them. They are the ones who display the wisdom, the multifaceted wisdom of God to the world around them. So they know their God to a large extent. Even though his wisdom is unsearchable, even though his wisdom is deep, even though his judgments are unsearchable, even though his ways are past finding out, but to some degree, if you, if you walk with him, you can tell what his next move will be. Is my prayer you always tell what the next move of God will be in the mighty name of Jesus. How do you know the ways of God? By going after, by learning from him through the books. You can know the ways of God. And when you know the way of God, you can now pray. Many of the prayers we pray, we pray amiss because people don't know the ways of God. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we ask of him. So in other words, because we know his will, we can petition him according to his will, and then it will be granted. Because Daniel knew that 70 years was expired by the books. He was reading prophecy. And by reading prophecy, he saw that 70 years was over. He was able to go to God, petition him, and deliverance came. Is my prayer deliverance will come for you in the mighty name of Jesus. Is my prayer God will surprise you in Jesus' mighty name. Another attribute of Daniel is that they are carriers of his glory. It was his glory of God that covered Daniel when he was thrown into the lion's den. You know the story very well. They ganged up against him. He was thrown into the lion's den. The lions saw him. They couldn't devour him. Something was covering him. It was the glory of God. The glory of God is God's presence. Is God's tangible presence that a Christian carries. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. He can be manifestly present in some places. God is everywhere. So there's a tangible presence of God vis-a-vis -vis an omnipresent presence of God. And when you carry that tangible presence of God, things will bow for you. The Bible says in Psalm 114, Psalm 114, that when the sea saw the Israelites coming, it parted automatically. Because they were carrying the presence of God. So the glory of God is God's presence upon your life. And you have to be aware of it. In other words, when you go for an interview, you stand before your boss, you want to request for some favor, be assured that you have the presence of God. That presence makes people like you. 
That presence is God's favor upon your life. That presence makes things happen when you pray. That's why God answers. It's a tangible presence. And this presence comes when you learn to pray more. This guy called Daniel was praying three times a day. They were going to Nabim with his prayer life. They told the king, for the next 30 days, nobody should pray to anybody but you. They made the king sign into law that anybody is praying to another god should be thrown into the lion's den. And that was when Daniel went and opened his window and began to pray three times a day. It was his custom to do that. He had formed good habits of praying all the time. So by the time they nabbed him, threw him into the lion's den, he was covered with the glory. When you talk to God, he talks to you back in return. Somebody said the secret of prayer is praying in secrets. When you communicate with God, you draw his presence. The glory comes upon you when you learn to pray. The glory comes upon you when you meditate in God's word. The glory comes upon you when you separate yourself from this world and you sanctify yourself unto God. Many times you may not even know it. But this presence matters. Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. It was his custom to pray. David said in Psalm 119 verse 164, Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgment. Psalm 55 verse 16, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening, morning, at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and I hear my voice. David said I pray seven times a day is a habit. A habit is something you do repeatedly and become second nature. So I want to beg you, develop good habits. Oh, nothing stops you during your break time. Take out 30 minutes, go to the bathroom, pray, worship God. As a matter of fact, when you look at uh, the contents of Daniel's prayer, it was all praise. We do more praise than petitions. Just worship God in your closet, just give him praise. Because by so doing, you are drawing his presence. And you know, prayer is a bathing process. Every time you pray, you are bathing something. That's why the Bible says, have you seen a nation being born in a day? It says, it's not possible. As soon as I all travailed, it brought forth. So every time you are praying, you have this desire. You want God to come through for you. You want to get married. You want to have your own children. You want to have a better job. All those are goals. And as you have those desires, as you pray to God, this desire within you is growing. So, prayer is serious matter. That's how you organize things in the realm of the spirits. Somebody say prayer is our umbilical cord. You know what the umbilical cord does to a pregnant woman? It serves the baby with nutrients and it takes away the waste. So, in other words, as you are in prayer, God is infusing you with more of his spirits and he's taking the flesh out of you. Because you are talking to God. The flesh doesn't like it. Anything the flesh doesn't like, you do more. That's how to overcome the flesh. So you may not have one hour block in the day, but if you do 10, 10 minutes, three times a day, that's already 30 minutes. Because your deliverance is in your prayers. The glory is in your prayers. The presence of God is in your prayers. And that's what God will have you do. And when you pray often, you will love the word of God. It drives you to the Holy Bible. It drives you to begin to go into the world. That's what prayer does. It warms your heart towards God. It makes you love God. It makes you want to know God. And by knowing him, that drives you to the Bible and to memorization of the Bible. Jesus prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was about to go to the cross three times, he prayed one hour each three times. Prayer was his habit. 
The Bible says a great while before day, it will go to a solitary place and pray. What a good habit. To do life now, you need prayers. Satan is gone bunker. And to actually checkmate him, you have to have a personal prayer life. A personal one that you know how to talk to God. As I begin to round up, Daniels are persistent. They don't give up. The Bible says about this Daniel that when he prayed, God answered. And God sent the request he was asking God for. But for 21 days, he kept on praying. You see, there's a difference between your prayers being answered and the answer manifesting. You pray, God had, he answers. Because in Daniel's case, God actually had the prayers. Daniel chapter 10. For 21 long days, the prince of Pasha, a demonic entity, held God's angel. Think about it. For 21 days, a bigger entity, a demonic entity, Satan's servant, was holding God's servant. He didn't allow him to cross. But because this guy was persistent in prayers, he was fasting alongside. He kept on telling God, he kept on bombarding heaven. God had to now send reinforcements. Angel Gabriel, one of the archangels, who cannot be withheld. So, God is not the problem. You pray, he answers. He sends emissaries, he sends angels. But who knows? Maybe there's a bigger demon with only something there. So if you are not persistent, Bible says if you do not faint, you will reap in due time. So the power to be persistent is coming upon you in Jesus' mighty name. The power to be focused is coming upon you in Jesus' mighty name. The ability to have power in prayers, which is given by the Holy Spirit, is coming upon you. Another thing the glory does is to also help you to persist in prayers. Anything you want is doable, but you have to be persistent. And you know, one thing prayer does is to prepare you for what God is about to do. Because when you pray this way, it prepares you. Jacob prayed and God broke his heel. Prayer also breaks you. Prayer makes you submit to God's will. So in other words, God breaks us in prayers. He walks in us when we are submitted to him in prayers. And that's the Daniel generation. Winston Churchill said in that commencement speech that everybody quotes, say, never give up, never give up, never, never, never give up. It's my prayer, the grace to never give up. God will grant unto you in Jesus' mighty name. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, Hebrews 6, 12, said, don't be sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience obtain the promises. He said, don't be, don't be complacent, don't become complacent. Be fervent in spirit. Imitate those who through faith and patience obtain the promises. Is my prayer you will emerge. The Daniel you will come out in the mighty name of Jesus. Before you leave this realm, you will leave your prints on the sands of time in the mighty name of Jesus. What God wants to do through you, he will get it done. Your name shall be great on earth. It is well with you. I see you going to your next level. Next level of influence. Next level of grace. Next level of mercy and favor in the mighty name of Jesus. I see you ascending high. In the mighty name of Jesus, I see people coming to meet you for solutions. You are a solution provider. You are a value-added person. In that office, they will promote you because of the value you will add. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. And make sure you subscribe for more great podcasts.